which is huge. I mean, it's like a man. It, it's big. Okay, son. You still don't understand what you're dealing with, do you? Perfect organism. Just tell me one thing, Burke. You're going out there to destroy them, right? Not to study. Not to bring back. But to wipe them out. That's the plan. You have my word on it. All right, I'm in. Look on my works, ye mighty, and despair. Welcome to Perfect Organism, the Alien Saga podcast. I'm Patrick Green, and I'm joined by... Christian Motzka, and we have a very special guest with us today... Do you want to introduce yourself? Yes, my name is uh, Thibaut, Thibaut Claudel, and I'm very uh, happy to be here as the narrative designer and writer for Aliens Dark Descent. And we're very happy to have you because as everybody who listens to the show knows, we love Dark Descent. Um, it was recently just back in the news again because there's been some huge updates to it. So a lot of people are playing it again, talking about it again. We thought it would be a great time to have you on the show. I also want to just throw out there that Tebow also was on uh, our friends over at a- AVP Galaxies podcast as That's well. That's right. I believe that was back in September of last year, I think. Uh, yeah, probably. Or during the summer, something like that. Something yeah. like that. Yeah. So you should definitely listen to that as well, because you know we're going to cover some stuff that was not covered in that today. Mm-hmm. So they'll kind of go together nicely. But you know, we always want to give a shout out to AVP Galaxy as well. But more than anything... Thibaut, thank you so much for being here. Can you give us a little bit of a window into, uh, you know, before we kind of get to the game and into Tindalos and everything, just your personal background with Alien, just for people. Yeah. Um, so I discovered the movies uh, pretty late, I would say, uh, compared to most people, uh, because my parents were very strict about what we could watch and could play. And probably the only parents in the world to, you know, enforce the, the Peggy 18 sort of stuff. Um, so I discovered them when I was during my, during my studying uh, years and I was studying in a boarding school and a friend of mine uh, offered an alien uh, rewatch. And I was like, yeah, sure, a rewatch. I love those movies. I've seen them a million times, which was absolutely not true, obviously. Um, and so I discovered them through through that, through the, um, I think, the DVD, DVD edition from, uh, I think, the early 2000s or something like that. It was old for by already. like, uh, And um, I discovered the first movie was completely blown away by it. Um, the interesting thing, I guess, is that everybody knows the creature not necessarily the movie and so it was very much my case um back then discover it uh and it freaked the hell out of me um but i was really interested in seeing how uh, how would be how the different movies would be different uh different like uh, that's a lot of different in one sentence but um how they will change from that original you know perspective and quickly discovered aliens and fell in love, fell in love with it. Sorry, uh, because I mean simply because it's. I think it's a great movie. I think it's an awesome sequel. Uh, and I was not expecting it to be like that. 
Uh, and also, I guess, again, from that older uh, teenage boy perspective, uh, I discover a lot of things in their original version. I'm thinking like, for instance, Apon is almost another character in the Halo series for, for the gamers out there. Um, and you have a lot of uh, things from Aliens uh, that are kind of infused in other games and movies. I think it's a very gamey movie, like uh, the um, motion tracker or the turrets. They have a lot of uh, um, gaming qualities to, to them. And so it was pretty fun to discover like the original thing that inspired so many uh, lines and, and objects and um, at that age, because some of you might think that, oh yeah, I discovered it like in my, you know, young, sweet, <laughs> you know, the children time. Um, but uh, as an adult, I think uh, it, it allowed me to appreciate those things even more and how different that movie was from the original. And then I guess uh, we don't, we went on with uh, the third one and the fourth one. The third one I always loved. Uh, it's, I, I know it's a bit of a maybe controversial take. Um, and I guess you guys, I think one of you defended it, or maybe both of you defended it. Oh, uh, we defend Alien 3 every chance oh, we get on this okay, podcast. Okay, that's, that's good. So I'm uh, Some of us uh, more than others. I'll say that some of us more than others. <laughs> okay, it's good to know. Um, because I remember, I mean, I, I'm, you would prob- uh, you were probably um, uh, heard me um, talk about, hear me talk about Warhammer. And I think it's a very Warhammer adjacent movie because it's a very, like, gothic uh, atmosphere in space and it has a lot of religious themes and i think it was great i mean the atmosphere and the ambience and everything around that um really uh stuck with me uh so of course i was dis- excited to discover what would the first one be about especially with that end um and and discover a very strange movie like a very i guess pulpy take on on alien on the alien universe uh, but as a fellow French citizen, I gotta respect what Jean-Pierre Genet did uh, on that movie. And a fun fact for you guys: uh, the boarding school in which I was actually studying uh, is also a high school, and it was the high school of uh, Jean-Pierre Genet. So we did the we actually, you know, came from the same school, sort of. Um, but that's just you know, so I can shine a bit. Um, but yeah, um, so fourth one, I was. Uh, kind of felt weird about, but it had a lot of interesting ideas that made me think, I, I think, much more than I thought I, I would at the time. Uh, and great scenes like uh, the, the xenomorphs, uh, xenomorphs swimming is just like my favorite thing. It's just, it's just so scary when they do that. Um, and um, and yeah, then do I have to continue with the prequels? <laughs> I'm not sure. I mean, I, I, I love them. They certainly have. I mean, uh, I mean honestly, I, I like hearing, I like hearing your take on them. So go for yeah, it. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it's, it's Prometheus is a weird one because I was, uh, before I was a writer, I was a journalist and back then I was still studying in a business school, but I was already blogging a lot, like on my own website and everything. And I remember being super excited with, uh, Prometheus coming, you know, and, um, I realized that now I have a huge, French accent when I say Prometheus, but sorry for that. Um, but anyway, I was super excited for the movie, the return of Ridley Scott on that uh, franchise and everything. And I remember loving the movie the first time I saw it. And then w- I guess my brain got uh, 
infected with the internet discourse of the time and I couldn't really think clearly about it. And nowadays, I, I guess I, uh, I'm in peace with it, uh, especially uh, thanks to you guys and the episode of uh, on, on Lovecraft uh, and the Lovecraftian, you know, thematic themes and and um, and details we can find in those uh, two movies, but uh, Prometheus in 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 particular. Um, and so I guess it has a lot of qualities and stuff that I really like, but I never really forgave the movie for its looks. I don't understand how slick and sci-fi, like modern sci-fi, it looks. Um, and I never really thought, uh, I never really found a great explanation for that. And um, I'm a writer, so perhaps people are expecting me to be on more on the dialogue and plot and stories and everything. And of course, I am interested by that. But sometimes how a movie looks uh, really determines for me how much I will love it. And it's a, um, we have a great example with the Alien 3. And so, yeah, I was always a bit bothered by that. I don't know about you guys. Um, and so I guess uh, Covenant has the same sort of problem in my mind, at least, but also great scenes and cool concepts. Nowadays, we entering a new age, I guess, for Alien. And that's what we wanted to talk about together. Um, so I'm excited to see what the future holds for us in terms of uh, exploring perhaps new origin for that creature and new corner of that universe. So that's basically my my relationship with it. Um, and as a French guy, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty lucky because my uh, parents-in-law, they live near Switzerland. So I was able to visit uh, the Giger's Museum. Uh, and I saw an exhibition about his work like in 2015 in the city where I live in France, so in Nantes. And uh, we also have, I think, the Queen from Aliens and, and AVP because I think it's the same uh, in Lyon. So there's there's a few franchises where I, I can actually say that I saw, you know, part of that legacy uh, in person in the flesh. So I guess um, it, it's really, as you imagine, near, near and dear to, to my heart because of that as well. So you're you're blowing my mind right now with comparing Alien Three to Warhammer because I grew <laughs> up. My brother was always painting Warhammer miniatures, and now my my kids are into it. And That's even nice. just the gigantic um, circular tunnel, you know, mm-hmm. it, that that's such an iconic Warhammer model shape. And yes. the the William Yutani guys at the end kind of look like Space Marines with you know the big encumberment. Exactly that is so. That's that's, <laughs> that's a good thing. I didn't come for nothing. You, yeah, still, still blowing your mind uh, <laughs> already. I mean, uh, but yeah, no, no. I, it's 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 really. I mean, nowadays it has gained a lot of popula- popularity. Sorry, so I, I have more opportunities to talk about uh, what warmer looks like. But back then it was very rare, and so thank uh, God for David Fincher and his movie because I was uh, kind of using certain scenes and certain characters to describe that universe. And I always felt like they were really close. So, yeah, we can do a whole podcast about that, I guess. But mm-hmm. for another time, maybe. 
Now, you did kind of touch upon part of the reason we wanted to circle back with you is there is this news of the Noah Hawley Alien show deciding to sort of sidestep the prequel knowledge or the prequel lore and the look of the prequels in favor of an ancient, I'm hoping very Lovecraftian origin potentially, but also mm -hmm. that um, that used future. Uh, yes. You talk about that, right? Oh yes. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know if we want to jump right into this, but we're thinking about, okay, who else has taken the, the alien um, property and said, maybe we can go a different direction because we've just gone through 12 years of comic books, video games, and novels trying to mesh Ridley Scott's new lore with the classic trilogy or the classic four films even. And some brilliant things have come out of that. There have been wonderful comic books, some great novels by Alex White and um, Philippa and Clara's in, in, um, Inferno's Fall. But now that we've had a bunch of that, it seems like we're getting into a place where maybe people are taking new paths and your game is one of them. Dark Descent goes, it's been seven months since the game came out. So I think that we can talk <laughs> about this. We can talk about the ending finally, but your game goes in a very interesting direction and we'd love to hear how that came about. Yeah. Okay. Um, I mean, that's a uh, one big thing that I guess was present in the, within the game, like from the beginning, from what I, I, I've, you know, gather here and there uh, throughout the production. Um, the one thing you should know about me on that production, by the way, is that I arrived mid-production and after other writers. So I wasn't really aware of everything, uh, but I got to, I guess, bring uh, the game home and, you know, to the finish line. And so I worked on that ending specifically. And when I arrive on the project, maybe we could, you know, talk about that. But um, they were uh, already planning that sort of uh, ending that will perhaps create an alternate, not necessarily origin, but entertain the idea of um, the alien, the creature, um, to be a more ancient thing. And Tindalos are rightfully named after <laughs> not, I think, a creature from Lovecraft directly, but one of his friends, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and so obviously they wanted to reunite the franchise uh, with that. I mean, regains of some sort of um, cosmic horror and, and, you know, explore that sort of um, undertone that we have throughout the, the movies, but they really wanted to put it forward specifically for the end. Uh, I guess first as um, somewhat of a power fantasy, probably for the, for, for the devs, like we really wanted to see how far we could uh, push that. Uh, but also I guess as a reward for the players. So once you've completed that very long and difficult game, uh, you'll have something to, um, you know, to, is that the right word, chew upon, like something crunchy, like you can actually have something to remember. And it's not just another mission with the same sort of cinematics and, 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 you know, so we really worked, uh, I guess, in the shadows uh, at first. Uh, I was always aware of that 
term ancient citizen uh, that was thrown around and i was like what is an ancient citizen and so basically um when i joined i started to work on the missions but chronic chronologically um so and i know i knew that the mission the the ending missions uh i mean perhaps the last three missions were not completed when i when i joined the rest of the game was already in pretty good shape um but that was always uh you know uh discussed first and foremost but also i guess everybody was still working on the level design the art and the game design what we could offer in those last missions and how we could make them even more difficult uh because we like complex game i guess uh at Tidalos. um and also I'm, I'm very bad at the game by the way just just so you guys know um i play in story mode and so it's it's i mean obviously the, the writer will will play in story mode right uh, that's my only excuse uh but um yeah so it it was um you know the background for for, for like during long months and when it came to writing those um came down to writing those last missions it became a bit more fleshed out um we were sending uh concepts and designs to uh 20th century studios and they were answering they had discussions um and it was um a challenging time and actually you mentioned um the guys that AVP Galaxy. And I think back then I said that it was a nice process. Everything was, you know, uh, nice and fun under the sun. Um, and our art director, uh, Sergey, uh, told me, you sweet summer child, you had no idea <laughs> what we sacrificed for, for that, uh, for that creature. So Sergey, this is for you. Uh, so I discussed with him what actually, um, you know, happened. I mean, not in every detail because I was not necessarily uh, directly in contact with the the guys at, at 20th. I was mostly asked for, you know, justification, little uh, flavor text so we could, you know, grasp a bit better what you guys want to do with those ancient citizen and that Xenotitan of yours. It was mostly that. Uh, but yeah, basically it was a long process. But at first I wasn't really aware of how different it would be. Um, and in my mind, it was almost like uh, this thing that we want to do, but perhaps we will not be allowed to do. It's funny because your experience of working on the game somewhat mirrors my experience of playing the game, which is <laughs> I, I had no idea it was going to take the direction that it takes. I think one of the great joys of playing Dark Descent for the first time, and again, if you somehow haven't yet and you're listening to it, just just stop because you know we're going to spoil the play. <laughs> One of the great, exactly. Even story mode, which you know, mm -hmm. hey, yeah. I don't don't judge that. Um, one of the great joys of it is that you know it starts off feeling very much procedurally like this is another aliens game that's fun. It's different because it's like real time strategy and it has some really cool tactical hooks to it. Um, you know, it has the Cerberus protocol. It has some elements of like mystery, but it feels kind of like you know something we've done before, or seen before, mm -hmm. and then. For me, like it was the whole the cultist thing and the guardians where I started being like, this, this game was going in a direction that I didn't quite anticipate. And then what I love is that by the end of the game, it is in a wholly different world. Like you said, with the ancient city and with the Xenotitan mm -hmm. and with these, you know, Marlowe and all the crazy stuff that has to do with him and with his whole movement. And uh, so it's funny that you're talking about working on it as also, you, you, it sounds like you didn't really know that it was going to diverge that much and that interestingly. So my question for you about this is... 
And I know that you didn't have direct contact with 20th century very much, but let me couch this question with some background stuff. So we, we have people on this podcast, as you know, all the time who work on these properties, right? People mm -hmm, yeah. who have written and worked on films, people who have done other projects, whether that be books, comics, video games, et cetera. And it seems like before Dark Descent, what I took away from those conversations was that 20th century has some real sacred cows that cannot be tipped over, right? Mm -hmm. To use some strange metaphors for a moment. Um, it seems like Dark Descent was liberated somewhat from that. It seems like there was, I don't know if it was a laissez-faire thing or something, but there was much more of freedom given to you all to create. So can you give us just some insight into that? Things you might've heard from other people who had more direct contact with 20th century. Yeah. How how were they given that kind of leeway? So um, I'll try my best um, trying to explaining that because uh, obviously it's an um, ongoing subject, as you guys mentioned in the intro. Um, but um, I think the first thing I would say is that to my to the best of my knowledge, the game was sort of saved from uh, the Fox Disney merger because of the the guardians and the cult. So people had seen the concepts and thought they would look interesting in the game. And because of that, unlike perhaps games that we'll, we'll learn about in a few months or years, uh, the game wasn't canceled despite that the merger. And uh, it was in very early stages, but was allowed to proceed on the premise that those cultists look interesting. And so I guess because of that, we already had, although I, I wasn't in the company back then, but I guess they already had like um, sort of a green light, you know, to, you know, try, explore new, new things. Um, and they're not really tied to what Sir Ridley Scott had done uh, with the prequels, but still they already, you know, pushed the envelope, I guess, a bit uh, forward. Um, and so... Um, we developed another, another, an entire game uh, around their cult and they would be one of the enemies because we didn't want just the creatures. And of course, we wanted for the creatures to have like some sort of skill and, you know, go bigger and bigger um, with uh, the different levels. And so obviously we wanted to end with the bang. But as you mentioned, like when I arrived, um, they had stuff that was really well uh, built, you know, and kind of definitive uh, that I didn't want to change nor got the opportunity to change because it was already working. So if it's not, you know, if, it's, if it ain't broke, don't fix it sort of thing. But also the ending and the, like Marlo's plan, what was uh, underneath the surface of Leafy, all of that was very conceptual. And I don't know if it, it was because maybe they had, and that's sort of problem, I mean, that sort of um, priority system, uh, management really is common in video games. Like we have that idea for, I'd, I'd say like the sort of third act, fourth act of, of the game and, and, and the ending. But right now, the like the priorities make sure that, I don't know, the gunplay feels nice, the tactical hooks you mentioned work nicely and everything. So it was in the background, perhaps because it was harder to discuss, perhaps because they had other priorities. 
But it's true that um, I never felt, at least personally, that somebody was telling me there are those rules and you cannot change them and you have you will have no we will have no discussion uh, around those rules. Uh, the only rule I know about is that the and that will actually resonate with you guys is that the alien is the perfect organism. It cannot be uh, defeated. It cannot be controlled. Um, and so, for instance, the guardian thing had to be uh, temporary and not permanent control on the alien because it breaks the only rule that I was given. Uh, so this is the only rule I am aware of that. Uh, uh, that I'm aware of, sorry for correcting myself on the fly, but um, at least I'll be correct. That's that's always nice. Um, but yeah, um, so other than that, it was mostly um, what do we want to offer to that franchise and what we wanted to do. And I guess in that regard, um, everybody at Tindalos, but uh, Roma, our game director and... Uh, Tindalos bus in particular, um, it is, I mean, was now that the game is out, but his dream project, like he had an earlier version of, uh, like the earliest, I, I say, version of the script is actually like a tabletop sort of war game or RPG that he created when he was 18 or something like that. And it was on a planet. Sorry, Romain, to spill your secrets, but uh, I think the planet was something, something 666 or, you know, like it was basically hell. Um, so, um, and it has already like this sort of uh, effect. I mean, this idea and of, of going, you know, uh, deeper and darker and throughout the, throughout the, the game. And, and so basically because of that, he... And the rest of the team were not okay with, uh, I'd say, an easy pass. And, and you guys know, I guess, more than anybody, um, how expanded uh, universes, whether it's for Alien or any other franchise, can feel less like explorations, but just exploitation, you know. And so it's a bit... It's usually, I mean, for me personally, because I, I love those sort of things and I grew up in the 90s and 2000 where um, that sort of expanded universe became a thing for a lot of franchises that I love. And I remember um, some of them being really good. And so I always thought like they had potential. Uh, I don't know when or why did we uh, give up on them. But it feels that way sometimes. And to the contrary, I think Tindalos really wanted to, as I said, push the envelope, try new things. And it started with the cult and it ended with the, I guess, uh, ancient uh, citizen. But um, as I mentioned, and as I discussed it uh, with uh, Sergey uh, and Richard, who were both involved in creating the, the Xenotitan, uh, Xenotitan, um, it was a long process because we had to justify even the tiniest bits of the creature. So it's like uh, the actual mouth, uh, the, the snake-like uh, um, body shape. Uh, um, why is it that big? Or you know, that's everything has had to be discussed because I guess they're really protective of their IP as they should. And also we wanted to make great things as we should, as, you know, 
game developers, I think we have to try to invest in those stories, but also make sure that everybody, every player um, playing the game will get something out of it and not just, I mean, already a great combat strategy, uh, tactical system uh, is nice, but uh, Roman was always keen on developing a story that would be original with that promise, like, uh, and perhaps as original as the promise is for an alien game. So um, what I was thinking about, so yeah, every, every little detail, but it's not just the ancient citizens or the Xeno Titan, everything was like that. So I guess I didn't feel uh, that much of a difference. Uh, an example I can give you is that in mission 10, we are introduced to um, that huge colony uh, right. And so we wanted to have uh, lights for um, like the shops and uh, perhaps a diner or or a, a club or that sort of stuff. And they really wanted us to explain how did it became an actual city? Why a guy is, is sending, uh, I don't know, beer or whatever in this corner of, of the of the city and uh, does this street has a name, you know, that sort of, and you may think, I mean, that's, that's a bit of a stretch, you know, like uh, that's a lot of detail for, for tiny stuff, but that's how invested and I guess passionate they are also about that franchise. And as a writer and narrative designer, because it's not just about writing scenes or dialogue, it's also about if an artist goes uh, to my desk and say, okay, Thibaut, we have a problem because we have signs, but, uh, we don't have streets name, you know, like a, like a proper city would have that sort of things or markings on the, on the walls or on the road. And uh, what could we do? And so we discussed with, uh, with Fox about uh, how would that look like in the, um, in the alien universe? So is that, is it, you know, little details like in the ships or is it, uh, should we borrow from Cobb or for, or from other people uh, that uh, kind of, you will hear me probably talk a lot about, uh, visual vocabulary, you know, and it's like it, we have this visual thing. Uh, it's also textual, you know, sometimes, but uh, I was really trying to make sure everything feels right and um, not necessarily correct for the game, but for the franchise uh, as a whole. And certainly, I guess, because we show, we shown, we've shown that uh, we could be trusted on the the numerous and little tiny details. Maybe we were allowed a bit of leeway regarding the the end of the game. It was m much like the player a reward for us, you know. Like uh, we'll finally be able to tackle to tackle that. But it's true that I have written a lot of story documentation, for instance, about uh, the creatures uh, there, the city, uh, and the chronology as well of Marlowe's plan, of, of uh, the ancient history of, of Leafy, all, all that sort of stuff. I had to write, although it's not necessarily present uh, in the game, uh, but perhaps the most, uh, uh, I'd say, dedicated players will have, uh, will find little nuggets and Easter eggs here and there in the tetapads, for instance, that will probably allow you to, you know, put the story together as video games like to do. But uh, we really wanted to to be something special and a massive re reward, and not just the sort of reward you see in at the end of video games where 
you can have a beautiful cinema, you know, like a ending cinematic and that sort of stuff. That's all uh, like, I like that sort of stuff, but it, it felt important to us that you would explore, as I said, you know, exploration, not exploitation, that, that franchise in, in perhaps in uh, new grounds uh, in quite literally new grounds on, on, the, on that last mission. And I know that some, uh, I mean, maybe perhaps people more interested into the gameplay rather than the story would have loved to send the Marines there. But because of the story, um, we thought it was more interesting and relevant to bring Mako there. And I know you had uh, Juliana on the podcast. By the way, she says hi. She she mentioned that when we talked. <laughs> so, um, and, um, and yes, she did a great job, you know, like... Um, performing, creating, crafting that character uh, throughout the game because she was also, I mean, I was not, you know, writing, you know, uh, in chronological order, not necessarily, but I certainly discovered the game in that way. Uh, and so I had discussion that were mostly about first Severus Protocol and and Leafy and then every little part of that planet uh, or moon. And in the end, it was that, Massive thing where okay the mission is written but perhaps we will have trouble you know selling sort of um, that that idea of ancient citizens so the, they offer you know alternatives there were not really pushbacks per se uh, but for instance I remember uh, that we talked about the Empress is that correct maybe you guys know more about that like a massive queen that appeared in. Dark Horse comics or that's that sort of stuff, um, and it's um, again I'm not saying that to to dunk on on Fox or whatever, but uh, but it's they always those companies will always try to um, use something that has legs, you know, in their mind because it was created before. It means to them it means that it can be used, you know, and it was and it feels right because it was it's already there, so we don't have to chat about every little detail, like the, the tail of the creature or the head or whatever. But um, I guess we like to, to make things a bit more difficult. Uh, and so we really try to push for that, for that ending to be a bit uh, more cosmic horror and uh, try to make those creatures as, uh, dare I say, iconic as possible. I, I think it's, I think it's the, um, the first original, like, xenomorph creature since covenant if i'm not mistaken so i've been told i don't know you guys check out check up on that perhaps comics you know created some uh in between but at the time when we were working on them we've been we we we, we were being told that we were told that it was it was the the actual like the newest thing the hardest thing so i'm glad you guys liked it I'm a sucker for all the little details. So you telling me that there's street names and signage for how to get around that city is is just wonderful because <laughs> all that you guys created this new, you know, ancient citizen 
you also created the first large colony, the first cars. These mm -hmm. are things that they're implied, of course, as being there outside in the movies, but we don't see that kind of stuff. And so, yeah. and I felt that, again, you, in the same way that this is the most faithful depiction of colonial marines that we've ever been given. Um, similarly, the expansions into the world felt very, very genuine to me. Like the research had been done, the look felt right. I feel like Alien Isolation is the most faithful film, a faithful game to the first film, and mm -hmm. The Dark Descent is absolutely the most faithful game to the second film, because not only do you have the fidelity of the armor and the weaponry, but because of how you have a limited number of Marines, and as the missions go along, if you're not good at what you're doing, you're losing those Marines. Mm -hmm. And I tell you, um, I played with my kids because they're better at video games than me. <laughs> and there was just just by chance there was one character in particular that they really got attached to and when he died and there was the realization he's gone we we don't get him back unless we mm -hmm. restart the whole game that had the kind of impact that the hive scene in aliens had of what do you mean apone is gone and frost is gone right so i feel like your game captured that as well but now Thank i want to ask you oh of course i want to ask you a little bit the the ancient citizen has the the proboscis or whatever similar <laughs> to the space jockey but they seem even larger did yeah. you are, is there supposed to be a connection there can you talk to that point um i don't think there's supposed to be a connection between those two except for the fact that we really want to explore the same sort of grounds like try to although I'm super glad that you're mentioning that it's faithful to the second movie, which, by the way, is my favorite for, for those of you who didn't understand that from the, from the get-go. But, um, but yeah, I mean, uh, we really wanted to have, like, the, the effect that the Space Jockey has in the, in, the, in the first film, that's something we wanted to tap into, you know? So we really um, tried to think about um, you know, size, uh, the atmosphere, the colors, like what was the room like, like you know, not, not just the creature itself. And so I guess they are, the two creatures are, are linked by the same sort of um, uh, effect that we wanted to to have on the, on the player. Uh, but except for that, I mean, I, I was never aware of, of, um, of a link between those two. Um, I guess I always treated treated it I, as an sort of alternate. Maybe it's too strong of a word, but you know, like a, another take on the same on the same idea of uh, sort of ancient creature and civilization walking among the stars, and and so they're not linked per se. I'd say. Uh, but it's it's absolutely a hundred percent sure that we wanted them to to be um, related in the sense of creating that that cosmic that uh, cosmic horror or, or dread uh, existential sort of dread. Uh, and so because of this, I guess we went a bit. You know, it's a it's a sequel sort of aliens. So we have to go even bigger. So we'll make it bigger, and it will have this uh, this trunk or whatever. Um, but yeah, it was sort of um, uh, going again to back to my point about pushing the envelope about uh, around uh, the sort of uh, vocabulary that we already had. And so the space jockey has this sort of uh, trunk and, he, he, and there's a lot of details around the chest that were put elsewhere. I don't remember where, but 
lot of the things that you see on the Xeno Titan, because of validation processes as well, are actually taken from, you know, like they are design, design cues from other, uh, um, other creatures throughout the universe. And I guess that's, that's why it works. That's why it feels right and, and kind of scary. Uh, but um, yeah, they're not related. I'd say I and, and it is. A, I mean, it's kind of not uncomfortable, but weird to talk about that for me as a writer because um, as a player or moviegoer, I'm always like, I don't need to know everything. I want to have that my little space and discuss with uh, my friends. Uh, other people around the world on the internet, on social media, on podcasts about what, what could it be, you know? Um, and I always loved that about the first movie. And so going, working on that project made me learn to not just entertain that idea in my mind, but also once you're in act, the actual cho shoes of the writer, like what, what can you do? You know, it's, and it's very hard to, especially when you have, Uh, powerful partners like uh, at 20th you know you cannot just say like oh it's uh, it's cool so it will look like that and and you know it's kind of the space jockey uh, but uh, our version because it's so much better than everything really has done you know it wasn't like that but it's, so we had to you know walk at like tread kind of carefully and try to find um, a middle ground and try to understand each other And certainly I remember uh, being asked to write story documentation about the citizens, but I remember writing it and, and I was like, I, <laughs> I need to erase my, I mean, to destroy evidence of that so that nobody would ever know what it, what it actually is. And I think the story the documentation, because we're among friends, so I can tell you, is very vague, like, like um, um, as vague as I could put it, you know. It was very, and, and I don't know how it, it how we got away with it, basically, because um, I always felt like now I'm in the, the shoes of the guy that I hated, or I never really hated Ridley Scott for Prometheus, because, for instance, I think the, the engineer's thing and how it is actually like a suit of, uh, of armor or sort of a space suit, I've, I always thought it was super clever, And and st I still think about that, you know, about what what nice. I mean, has become sort of, sort of sort of a hated thing, you know, subverted expectation sort of discourse on the internet. But I think it's it was and still is pretty clever. So I'm always you know worried about what I would say on a podcast about that. But uh, I re I remember like being uh, in a very difficult position. It's like I would love to say it is just mysterious and cool and Lovecraft didn't explain everything. And so we want to do uh, stuff just like him for this once, you know, for this only mission, the, the last one, please allow us to allow us to, to do that. Um, but at the same time, I had to, you know, give a few bits. What was it? And, you know, like, because they, not everything comes from, uh, although an image will probably speak louder than words, not everything is actually, you know, coming from that. Like uh, they will have question about what we are trying to achieve. And I guess, I mean, that's my little secret 
not so secret because I've already mentioned on with AVP Galaxy, I think. But that's my little theory is like now that uh, Fox has been bought by Disney, I mean, they have this franchise and I don't think the the prequels sit too well with that idea of exploring or exploiting uh, whether it will be uh, one of the other, we'll see. But uh, that franchise, because it's it kind of puts a, uh, puts a stop to everything you could do. Uh, and I guess uh, that that doesn't work too well when you're trying to to create new stories in that universe. And so I can understand why maybe they uh, allow us to do that because maybe with our small budget, relatively small French team, uh, um, maybe we were ground, you know, like a, for 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 experimentation. Like we were uh, a Wayland Yutani lab of our own, and we, we could, you know, be little creatures. Like they they observed us. Like would it work? Would it resonate with our audiences? I don't know because I never had the chance to talk with them, and them being probably in LA or and and us in Paris, it was uh, very difficult, especially when you know COVID years and everything. Uh, and so I would love to actually have a chat with them. Like, uh, did, 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 did we, uh, without knowing where actually like, uh, the first step or something bigger. And surely when I hear, uh, people like you guys, like the guys at AVP Galaxy, uh, being so invested in that franchise saying, so I guess it's probably like, there's probably a bit of truth in that. And so I guess I, 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 I. I am seduced, convinced by this little theory of uh, of my own, but um, I don't know. We we should perhaps, you know, uh, I'll try to reach them at some point and and mention once you know uh, the movie uh, Fede Alvarez movie and and Noah Haley series will will be uh, probably like the, the the biggest you know like uh, um, example of that. So I'd say once they're out, perhaps we will see. Uh, a more open and uh, direct uh, discourse coming from them, but it's, it takes a while. Like uh, if you think about, it, if you take another example that I know really well, like Star Wars, it, it wasn't always so. You know, it, it takes that sort of things. They they take time, and you know, over the years you hear more about it, and it still is fascinating to me how you uh, can quickly go boom or go instant. You know, with a one movie or one, you know, even plot detail story ID. I guess that's what makes my job interesting, but also very dangerous at times. There's so much amazing stuff to unpack in that. Um, kind of working in reverse for a moment, it's interesting you're talking about the relationship with Fox or with 20th Century and how they're a little bit, it's a little bit mysterious, kind of where they're going, what they're testing. Because mm-hmm. pre-merger, we had like an insane amount of access when it was still 20th Century Fox. You know, we had people telling us what was coming out. We had people dropping us, you know, hints of things we could like sprinkle in the news cycle. 
Um, and really, that is gone now. It is. It has been very much Disney-fied in that sense, and that it's very yeah. much a closed shop. <laughs> um, but I think you might be completely onto something. And if I could just kind of, uh, for a moment, share an opinion, I'm not sure how much of the uh, of this show uh, you have listened to, Tebow. But I, I'm I you know came into this about six years ago because I was a big fan of Alien Covenant, and I was kind of debating Jamie, who was the other you know main host at the time, about this, and we had like a three-hour debate about Alien Covenant. Uh, over the years, I think I have realized more why people have issues with it, and I've also realized more why I think I don't. My my not having issues with it, I think, hinges very much on Ridley Scott not completing his prequel trilogy, because, as you know, the way it's been left off now is kind of ambiguous, right? It could be that this was just David experimenting and trying to figure things out from an ancient past, so it actually sits really nicely with your game, to me. As like, you know, the, maybe David was trying to recreate something that predated, you know, the engineer civilization even or something. So like it, it actually works. That gets me to this bigger point of I think that this franchise is really well served by ambivalence and ambiguousness. And what yeah. I love is what you're saying that it's not about providing answers to everything, but it's about filling in enough of the grays that you have directions to take the story in and you have directions to take the canon in. And I just, it's kind of occurring to me really for the first time as we're sitting here talking about this, that Dark Descent actually is a, is a, is a deliberate course correction in terms of making sure that Ridley's trilogy couldn't be completed because had the, had his third film linked up with the events of Alien, that would have kind of answered that question. Like that would have been yeah. David is the progenitor of the creature as we know it. But now we have a canon official 20th century product that says that that's not true. So it actually makes me love Covenant even more again, because now Covenant can really just be its own kind of offshoot. And, you know, it creates even more space for these things to make sense. So that brings me to my question, which, you know, can be one of the last ones we ask you today. What was the, what was the goal behind Dark Descent? Like from the beginning, what were you and the team at Tindalos setting out to do with this game? Was it to disrupt? Was it to build upon? What were you trying to do with this thing? I guess that's, that's a very cheeky uh, and cheesy, perhaps, answer, but I guess it was a bit of both. Um, because when I arrived, I was, um, to be fair, I joined in November 2021. Uh, and so, like, almost two years before the the game will came out, you know. And at the time, they had negotiated more uh, months of production. And they were really trying to make that game even better. Uh, story-wise, but also gameplay-wise, and they really uh, didn't want to, as you know, it happens on, on a lot of productions of video games and sometimes you know movies and other medias, but cut down you know the story in half and try to find you know an easier, faster sort of already seen story. Um, and so I would have said yes to any project in the Alien universe. But uh, I am saying that I also have to remember that when I uh, first joined the project and on my first day and everybody, I mean, maybe before even my first day, I think it was the day that I signed my contract and it was my also my 30th birthday. So it was like a big day for me. Um, and they sort of explained to me the story in, you know, in a very quick summary uh, made me uh, play the prologue, which was already almost uh, identical to what we have nowadays. Um, and so it was very, very polished, you know. 
And uh, I thought, wow, this is great. Like I, I knew they were working on a tactical. I knew they were working with a big franchise. I didn't know which one until I signed the NDA. Uh, but I thought it was a match made in heaven between that franchise because the colonial marine stuff and and the, the genre, it had been done, I think, once before, but uh, not that much. So it was a kind of a new take on the franchise. And I felt even the, the actual camera position uh, was interesting. Like, it's a new way to see, quite literally see that universe. And um, a lot of, I mean, great podcasts like yours and, and a video game website have analyzed how we manage to create uh, fear and, you know, experience sort of loss, as Christian mentioned, throughout that game and throughout its system. And I think it's it's to, I mean, Tindalos was always really great at, I, I at systems. I, I was a fan of the studio before I worked for them. So I, I guess I can say that in all honesty. And I really felt like you guys actually, you know, outmade yourself. You, you, you created yet another system that's super interesting, obviously inspired by the alien RPG and other stuff. But it, it felt really good to tell that sort of story. And it had like, it's a project with kind of two heads. Like there is a very gameplay centric head of creating an, a new like use the genre to see the alien universe with another from another angle with a new pair of eyes i would say um but also what we were actually show in that game would have to be as fresh and exciting as the gameplay and i always thought it was like that and what christian said about isolation being the game version of the first, uh, you know, of the first movie. I think on the, on my first day, I was I was actually I said to Romain, I said, okay, we will we will we will have to make of this game the aliens version of isolation, and I think you're onto something. And so I'm down signing my contract, no pressure, trying to you know walk in the path that uh, James Cameron uh, walked for us uh, before us. Um, and it was uh, sometimes really difficult because I, I put a lot of pressure on my own shoulders, but I uh, was really um, kind of well uh, welcomed, like basically very, I, I, it could be difficult, especially when you come after uh, other writers and Matthew Ward, who is my sort of co-writer because he had other obligation he, because he's also a novelist, like the madman he is, is not is not settling with just video games. He's also writing novels, you know, and he kind of handed me the baby and said, you can change everything if you want. So it was a real gentleman about it. Uh, he just wanted the, he said to me, break the curse that there are already so many writers who have worked on this project. Just uh, see the finish line, please. Um, and so he explained to me, like, you know, broke down everything that was near and dear to his heart, the characters, what he wanted tried to achieve with them, the story, the plot and everything. And so... I found in what he was saying, um, the the second head of that project, the, like the story uh, that was supposed to be large and epic and and containing a lot of uh, new uh, factions and creatures and enemies, and also tie in with the not only the movies but also the expanded universe at large, you know. Uh, and 
so we had a lot of discussion about that and I had discussion daily with uh, Romain, our game director. And I remember, you know, having lunch together, uh, breaking down the characters, breaking down the um, plot. Um, and I presented my new outline in December 2021 while Matthew was working on, I would say, the video game equivalent of her first draft like basically he had done every mission except for the last mission so he completed his version of the thing while i was trying to while i was starting my version so it was a sort of interesting time where like our visions collide and the different takes but i um it was really important to me to because i i had seen sort of the the vision you know before my eyes playing the prologue like this could be something really excited gameplay-wise, but also if it has um, a very ambitious story and perhaps a story as ambitious as uh, the gameplay, uh, that would be something that will resonate with fans. And I am a fan. I want to play that sort of games. Uh, and I I mean, it's sort of changing nowadays because we're entering a new, perhaps a silver age of IP games because they have bigger production. They were not as... They, at some point, they were um, you know a bit like synonymous with... Uh, you know, fast produced, bad quality sort of game. Uh, it's it's changing. It has changed a lot, and and we have new new games coming that prove that perhaps like every month or so. Uh, but I know we had like a very humble budget compared to those games. But I knew that because of the ambitious uh, story and the very intricate gameplay, we could do something great with that. And and so. It was sort of my mission to make sure that it would be infused in every mission, in every cinematic, in every character. Um, and I guess everybody shared that common vision vision. And to the to the credit of Romain, because a lot of there's a lot of you know running gags and jokes in the video games industry of game directors playing something and saying, We'll need to add that in the game. You know, they play that on a Saturday and on next Monday they will tell you to change stuff. Um he is inspired by a lot of things, but um, he was always super focused on that vision. And I think because we get along very well, it was actually nice for a change to be sitting next to the game director and, you know, trying to reinforce his vision. Uh, also, you know, I added a lot of things of my own because uh, some some details or our characters or plot were not resonating as much as the rest with uh, our partner at, at focus or at, at fox and so i really wanted to make sure that everything settles uh you know i mean not necessarily would be the favorite character of every alien fan you know but uh, that to make sure that they have a little something which is a very vague thing, you know, to say, but um, I remember working on Mako quite a lot, working uh, on her journey and trying to make sure that people would understand that she's not supposed to be, because I hate that word, a likable character. She will have like this whole journey. And that was something that a lot of people, including in the studio, were actually struggling with because they find it hard to identify with her. So there were a lot of little challenges like that. Um, and but fortunately enough, I had the whole team, you know, passionate about that game uh, to to help me. I had a first draft from Matthew that was already good, uh, and then I got to work on certain scenes that were not in the first iterations of the game, like um, 
for instance, the confrontation with between Mako and Price wasn't supposed to go like that in the first few versions of the game. And it's something that I wrote entirely myself. So I'm, I'm quite pleased that um, every once in a while on Twitter or whatever, people will actually post that that scene as one of the highlights of the game. And I was like, okay, I actually did, did the thing because I remember uh, a Roman saying to me, like, it's, it's supposed to be like this Blade Runner level type of mystery, but in, you know, in one cutscene. And I was like, oh, how can I do that? It's just too complicated. Uh, but I guess it resonated with a lot of people and the, the ending as well, although it's very humble in certain aspects because we don't show much. And simply because, to be perfectly honest with you guys, we, we don't have like a big Hollywood AAA budget. So we had to do with what we we knew or was already working. And I think what you guys prove with that podcast being so interested in the ancient citizens and and the city and Marlow's plan. And I'm sorry if I, I'm not really able to give you more details about that because frankly, this, it's not like they don't exist, but I don't think they are as relevant as maybe... We've, we, you, you could think they are. Um, what we wanted to achieve with this game uh, and the ending of the game was also to reunite, you know, uh, the franchise with that sort of uh, cosmic horror essence that perhaps it hadn't lost, you know, over the course of the movies, but it had been portrayed differently. And we wanted to show that we could actually still have, as uh, Patrick mentioned, you know, uh, something that sit next to those movies and still, you know, resonate uh, a bit more uh, with Lovecraftian fan, Lovecraftian horror fans, and that sort of stuff. Um, and it it actually goes back very nicely to my discovery of the alien uh, alien themes because I don't know if it was written on the actual French DVD like Alien Anthology or Quadrilogy. I don't remember, but my friend certainly presented it as an anthology, like something you could actually use the, the creature and then you tell a story with it. And so when I first experienced it, I thought, oh, this is the the first one and this is the military take on it and this is the religious take on it and this is the weird French take on it. <laughs> and uh, um, basically it, it was always a new, and that's why, for instance, the Bloomcam project was interesting to me because it, it, it was maybe the movie would have been bad or whatever, but it was opening those doors again. You know, like we can actually uh, do Alien free, uh, 2.5 sort of um, and say to the audience that we will have a massive, well-known uh, uh, world-class entertainment franchise to be an anthology. And I would love that because I love that format. And I've certainly, I think we'll work Great with that creature and everything that surround uh, surrounds it, and so I guess uh, all all that jazz I'm, I'm mumbling about, but it's it's just really what we wanted to achieve we to achieve with the games is not just create a new fresh perspective through the gameplay, but also tell a story that will use the entire collection of the Alien universe, and in particular everything that was uh, inspired by. Um, this Lovecraftian style, cosmic horror sort of setting that I think we were frankly missing, you know? So I guess if people are 
fans of of that particular take on on aliens or at the alien universe they 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 would love the game and others will perhaps you know play another game or watch another movie but as long as this sort of um a different exploration can continue i'll be happy with that franchise and i think as soon as you kind of go uh in one direction it's it it's it's kind of gone it's it's exploitation again you know you're trying to revamp the, the the same thing over and over until it has no cultural impact you know on people it's just like oh yet another alien movie and i don't want that for 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 this franchise and although it's it's quote unquote just a game i, I really thought that okay i'm making an alien story it cannot just be another alien story that's what i wanted to achieve personally at, at least Well, I would say that you did. I, I think this game is <laughs> it's a big success. And yeah, it it reframes aliens as more of a horror story or it brings the the horror aspect of alien into aliens, which is a hard thing to do. Your Dark Ascent is not the first. It's not even the second game to try to, to tackle a colonial marine based system. But I really feel it's the first one to to capture both the feel and also the fear. So I think it's it's so successful. And I'm so glad that you came on to talk to us about it today. Well, thank you guys for having me. I'm sorry for the weird French accent and probably a lot of <laughs> mistakes that I did, but uh, certainly very grateful for, for you guys to, to invite me and to playing the game and saying nice things about it. Yeah. Oh, we're so grateful for you, my friend. Thank you so much, Tipo, for being here. <laughs> and, uh, and if anybody wants to follow you on social media or anything or see where you're up to, where can they do so? Uh, they can follow me on Twitter, uh, X that is known nowadays. Um, I'm also on Instagram. I'm also on Blue Sky. I'm trying to find my new home, you know. Uh, but uh, if you want, uh, I mean, on Instagram, you'll probably probably see my, a lot of miniatures. So uh, it will tie uh, in nicely with the, this conversation. And yeah, hopefully, uh, I mean, don't hesitate to send me, you know, stuff that you loved or didn't love feedback as long as it's polite is welcome um and i actually really like when people reach me and say oh this was nice or this was cool and uh, it it's kind of helps me realize that i i indeed worked on that game because you worked on it for so long and it's a secret and then it's announced and you can talk about it and then it's it's out and it's everybody else game you know like everybody and and their dog has this game and they might talk about it and say it's good or it's trash um and so you kind of it feels like you're actually sending your children i don't have any children by the way but to school and then one day someone will actually say something about the game and you realize oh yeah my children are back you know i actually work on that game so yeah sorry again for finding my words Uh, but uh, definitely uh, hit me up on the social media so we can talk about Alien, Dark Descent, and everything Alien-related. Fantastic. Thank you, Thibaut Claudel, uh, for being here. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And uh, welcome again to 2024. Lots of cool stuff to keep doing, so let's, uh, let's keep on it. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Thanks. To find out more information about Perfect Organism 
the Alien Saga podcast, please go to www.perfectorganism.com. If you would like to support the show, please go to www.perfectorganism.com forward slash support. Thank you.